What's up, Captains? And welcome to the Captain's Lifestyle Podcast. My name is Taylor Morgan. I'm a Marine Corps veteran, holistic lifestyle specialist, and founder of the Captain's Lifestyle, where our massively transformative purpose is to make thriving standard. Our vision for what that looks like is a world where humans and Mother Nature not only survive, but thrive synergistically. We will accomplish this through our mission to inspire health, happiness, and sustainability by sharing impactful information. I interview subject matter experts and impact-driven brands to learn what they're doing to make the world a better place. We cover topics ranging from mindset, sleep, nutrition, exercise, biohacking, business, time management, environmental initiatives, and more. If you're content with settling for average, then walk the plank. But if you're ready to become the captain of your own life and inspire change, welcome aboard. What's up, captains? I've got some exciting news. And don't skip past this because I'm going to tell you how you can win a bottle of my number one recommended supplement for free, as well as a chance to be granted access to my morning and evening rituals course. All right, so here's the news. I'm being nominated for the first ever by Optimizers Influencer of the Year Award, but I need your help to win. This award goes to the person who best demonstrates Bioptimizer's core values and is living and breathing the Bioptimized lifestyle and sharing it with others every single day. Bioptimizer stands for biological optimization. This means achieving ideal levels of aesthetics, performance, and health. It's a state of existence where all of the bodies and brains functions flow in optimal quantities and operate in perfect harmony. Some of their core values include extreme ownership, test, learn, grow, and evolve, awesomeness, fun and loving, and passionate about health. All of this aligns perfectly with the Captain's Lifestyles mission to inspire health, happiness, and sustainability by sharing impactful information. Everything about the Bioptimizers brand is exactly what I stand for. My personal core values are excellence, happiness, challenge, inspiration, and adventure. And as you know from the intro to this podcast, my brand's core values are health, happiness, sustainability, inspiration, and learning. Our vision is a world where humans and Mother Nature thrive synergistically. And our massively transformative purpose is to hashtag make thriving standard, a big part of which, of course, is optimizing your biology. So here's where I need your help. The person with the most votes wins the award, and I'm up against people with way more social media followers than me. But numbers aren't everything, because I've got something that they don't. Loyal and supportive relationships with my followers. I always go out of my way to connect with and provide as much value to each of you as I possibly can. And as a thank you for your continued support, I'd like to reward each of you with a free bottle of Magnesium Breakthrough. My number one and favorite, most recommended supplement, all you have to do to win is email me, taylor at thecaptainslifestyle.com with a screenshot of your submission confirmation and use influencer of the year as the subject so I can track them all and send you your free bottle. There's a link in the show notes that takes you directly to the nomination page. Just put my name, Taylor Morgan, my Instagram handle, captain underscore Taylor underscore Morgan, your full name, 
and a few sentences explaining why you think I deserve to win. Everyone who emails me their submission confirmation is also injured for a chance to win access to my morning and evening rituals course, normally $349. This video course details the exact beginning and end of day rituals I teach my one-on-one clients, the cages morning ritual and the 432130 method nightly ritual. After completing the course, you'll be able to schedule a free 30-minute coaching call with me where I will give you personalized suggestions based on your specific goals. You'll also get access to the Captain's Lifestyle Crew, which is a database of the latest research in various high-performance topics, as well as a private online mastermind of like-minded high achievers. We meet virtually once a month for 45 minutes and discuss various lifestyle optimization topics. The prize, if I win, is the new iPhone 13 Pro, which I'll use, of course, to create better quality content and YouTube videos for you guys. Thank you again for your continued support and your belief in my mission to inspire health, happiness, and sustainability. Together, we can hashtag make thriving standard. Again, the link to submit your vote is in the show notes. Send a screenshot of your submission to taylor at thecaptainslifestyle.com to win. Voting ends November 18th. What's up, Captains? If you haven't already heard, I am taking donations to save the rainforest and shave my beard. That's right. I'm going to be shaving my beard once my team and I reach our donation goal of $5,000 for halfcut.org, which is a nonprofit organization that is raising money to help save sections of the rainforest from deforestation. This is something that I've been passionate about my entire life. And unfortunately, the problem has only continued to get worse since I was a kid. And now after interviewing Jimmy Halfcut on my podcast, I decided to team up with him and Halfcut to show that I'm committed to this cause by not only raising money, but then once we reach our $5,000 donation goal to shave half of my beloved beard. All right, so you guys can get in on this cause, you can donate, or you can join my team. There was a little confusion when I put out the episode about what it means to join my team. Joining my team means that you will commit to going half cut yourself, whether that be shaving half of your beard, dyeing half of your hair a different color, braiding half of your hair, you know, shaving an eyebrow, whatever it is. There's a bunch of different creative ways to go half cut, as long as it's something you know visually stimulating that will attract conversation around the problem of deforestation and that half of our rainforests are now being destroyed. So that is what it means to join my team. And then in addition to that, you also can raise money yourself for the Captain's Lifestyle crew, which is what I'm calling my team. If you don't want to join my team or you don't want to go half cut yourself, that's totally fine. You can donate separately to the cause. Both of the links will be in the show notes of this podcast. Please, please, please donate. This is a big issue, and uh, I think it would be pretty interesting to see me with half a beard. So donate. Links are in the bio. And uh, with all that being said, let's get into today's episode. Oh, hello, and welcome aboard another episode of the Captain's Lifestyle Podcast. This is your captain speaking, Taylor Morgan. My guest on today's show is Chase Tallison. Did I pronounce that correctly? Because it's spelled... It's spelled... Tallison is how most how we say it in the family, and I've heard that and many other variations before. Yeah, because it's spelled Tolison, like yes. you would pronounce it like that. But that's what 
there's like That's a little a argued. yeah so okay. she married my dad she's like no it's tolison he's like no it's tolison so gotcha so yeah you're a coach like myself a, a speaker a life optimization specialist which is why i wanted to have you on the show and your program sounds phenomenal the the primal man pathway which gives men the tools to take back their identity purpose and freedom in life and another reason why i really want to have you on the show is that you describe yourself as a worker of words and a master of language you believe wholeheartedly that our stories shape our reality and i i couldn't agree more man talk to me a little bit about what got you into language absolutely have you heard of uh, Mark England and his course, Procabulary? Yeah. Have you taken that? Yes. And we're about to go down the rabbit hole on what that, that thread pulled. Um, I, the Barbell Shrugged episode he did in 2017. Oh, wasn't yeah. that amazing? Amazing. And when you talk to Mark about that episode, he's like, I planned on going on and talking about language. And these guys just wouldn't shut up about what Procabulary did for them. Uh, so I, I snagged the discount code back in 2017 and went through it a few times and was implementing it on my own for a while. You know, I've been running a gym since 2014 and started throwing that language stuff in with the clients. And then we started a podcast for the gym and we had Mark on last year. And I was like, hey, what's this enlifted thing you're doing? And he's like, oh, it's a language certification process for coaches. And I dove into the deep end head first. So like the, the nuts and bolts of what built that vocabulary course, going through the back end of that and learning about the language and dissecting my own language and getting to work on my stories was, I, I was like, oh, this is like, this is it. As a coach, I was looking for that, that thing. How do I affect true change? Like I can tell people what they like, I know I've spent enough money on education. I've done it all. Like I know what they need to change their life. For some reason, it's not sticking. And that was the identity piece inside. And this language game goes deep and it, it's so simple on the surface. It's the little tech, the words we say, you know, as outlined in vocabulary. And if you've taken vocabulary, do you remember the origin of the word abracadabra? I have not taken it. So I heard that podcast and oh. I I remember that I really wanted to take it, obviously, after hearing that. Um, I don't remember at the time what held me back. I'm trying to think. 2017, I was still coaching CrossFit, so I hadn't fully committed to what I do now, the, the Captain's Lifestyle Program. So I, I think that's partly what it was, is that I hadn't fully committed to, you know, entrepreneurship, which now I realize communication and how you say things is like everything. So what's the origin of, of Abracadabra? Comes from the ancient Aramaic for with my word, I create. And to layer on that, Merriam-Webster definition of a spell is a word or combination of words that uh, believe to hold great meaning or great power. So every time we speak, whether you believe in the woo-woo side of it or the scientific side, we are quite literally casting spells. And it's up to us whether we're using good magic or dark magic. You know, a lot of people are running around unaware, just speaking this victim mentality 
of everybody else is out to get me. I have no control over my life. And this is how it is. And their breath is up in their chest. They live in this upregulated victim state with their imposter inside telling them that they cannot do anything that they want because they're not worthy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you brought up the breath because, well, at the time this podcast will come out, it'll have been a few episodes back, but um, this last week, episode 102 was released and I interviewed an XPT master coach. Are you familiar with Laird and Gabby Hamilton? And what I they do started with listening. I, I had gotten a bit through that episode. Okay. Yeah. So he talks all about breath work and stress management and everything. And you, you mentioned the <laughs> breathing all being in your chest that I, I think I, I always go back and forth on what's most important in life. Like once you get past the basic needs of having basic food and water and shelter, I think it comes down to either sleep or proper breathing mechanics. And I could argue either way because sleep is obviously so fundamental to everything that we do you improve your sleep you improve every other area of your life but proper breathing goes into a good night's sleep like if you're a mouth breather and you're snoring and you have sleep apnea uh, not to mention the stress reduction side of proper breathing so let's just touch on how how important proper breathing really is yeah. Yeah. And to your point, it's, it's like a chicken of the egg with, right. Breathing, you know? um, and if we're upregulated, you know, and it, I'm sure your listeners have listened to that and they, they got the full download on breath up in the chest, you're upregulated fight or flight. Your words are going to spin out of control even more. Your internal dialogue is going to be in this victim mentality state. And if I can dig into that real quick, the definition of the victim mentality. Let's do it. This is one of my biggest pet peeves. So the victim mentality is an acquired personality trait in which an individual tends to regard himself or herself as the victim of the negative actions of others, even in the absence of clear evidence. And the victim mentality depends on a habitual thought process and attributions. It's an acquired state and it depends on you to continue to feed it. And the easiest way to feed it is to have no awareness around your language and to keep your breathing up in your chest. And, and when you keep can, watching the news. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I forgot about that one because, <laughs> yeah. I, we walked into a, a grocery store, my wife and I recently, and I was like, why does everybody have masks on again? She's like, oh, there's a Delta variant. Oh, the news. <laughs> Do you guys still watch that? The news? Yeah. So yeah. If, if you let your lives be ran by what you watch on any news channel, um, I mean, there might be some better ones now who who aren't far right or far left, but typically whatever you see on the television, you should not let your life be dictated by that or on social media for that matter. Like, and I think this victim mentality is one of the biggest issues that America is facing because one of my favorite, I don't know if it's a quote, but like a, a phrase, like hard times create strong men, strong men 
Oh, now I'm going to butcher it. Are you familiar with that? With what I'm trying to say? I am. And I, I was going to. No, you forget it too. Oh, hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good yes. times create weak men. Weak men create strong times. Or hard weak, times. Weak men create hard times. I dropped it at the end. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's it. And I think. I think we're in that cycle where we've had, you know, relatively good times for so long that we've created a lot of weak men and there's a lot of weak men with voices. And I think that's just because sometimes they're the loudest, you know, strong men don't have to go out there and shout things and all this and that. That's, that's interesting that you go there. Um, I have said before about my program that it'll help bring out the the truest sense of an alpha, not the out there super loud projecting himself onto everybody, but the the past confident and into comfortable. So that's that's a that's very cool that you make that point that truly strong men are comfortable. Yeah, and I think this is a, a Tim Kennedy quote. Um, and if you're not familiar with Tim Kennedy. You should probably familiarize yourself with him. He's one of America's most badass men. And I, I'm going to remember it to the best of my ability. It's like, you should be afraid of the quietest person in the room or the calmest person in the room. Like when chaos is happening around you and somebody is just sitting there, cool, calm, collected, that is the person who's got it under control and who has a plan, not the person who's fucking screaming and going nuts, you know? Um, and if you look at social media or what's happening on the news, it's always these people who are like outraged or having, who are letting their emotions get the best of them. And there's not a lot of logic in what they're saying because they're letting it come from a place of emotions. And I never like to argue if my emotions are high, I just, I, you know, take a break, revisit it because when your emotions are letting are running the conversation, nothing good ever comes from that because it's well, all, that, it's all reactions. Yes. And that works with the external world and other people and with us to tie it back to our own story. Right. So many people, like when people journal about something that happened to them, they don't journal the story out. They journal about how it made them feel. Mm-hmm. And then they keep the story in their head, banging around, creating all this havoc. And that's in the enlifted system. And Mark gives this away for free on podcasts all the time. We four-step it and we write down the story, not, not like the emotions first, what happened? Because so many people haven't even written anything down. And then when people do write it down, they usually shove it in a drawer and don't focus on it. We read it back out loud and then we read it out loud slower. And then we read it out loud with breath in between each sentence. And we step outside of it to take that emotion out that you're talking about. And yeah. when you do that with your own stories, you can do it with conversations with other individuals. Okay. So I, I want to stick on this topic for a little bit because I've, I've heard Mark talk about that on podcasts and this exercise that you're referring to. And I think it can be, extremely powerful for people who have just labeled themselves a certain way for their entire life, whatever it may be, like something happened in your childhood. You might remember it. You might not, you might have no idea why you are this way, but you, you tell people like I have anxiety 
Like I am depressed, <laughs> like whatever it is. You are expressing symptoms of anxiety. Yeah. yeah. So let's, let's go over this exercise and it, I'll, I'll let you take it from here. Just go a little bit more in depth on what that is. I would love to thank you for the opportunity. So first off you title the story and then you write it out and you write it out conversationally with more detail than you thought you needed. Well, you were hold on, hold on, Chase. Yeah. Uh, okay. I think, I think before we get I into what's up, did I jump a few steps? Yeah. I, I was going to say, before we get into like what it actually is, let's, let's talk about like who it could be good for and what type of stories like you're referring to. Beautiful. More context. Yeah. Thank you. Because sometimes I want to dive right into the deep end. Yeah. I mean, you and I understand, but for the listeners yeah. who have no idea of this exercise. Good call. So who it's for. It could be for someone who thinks that they need help with their late night snacking. It could be with, for someone who hasn't moved up in the ranks in work for a while and they don't know why. And they think it's all somebody else's fault. It could be for anybody who has something that they think is holding them back in life. And oftentimes it's a surface level piece. It's fitness or it's a relationship. It's personal development. They're unaware of how deep it goes. So we'll start with that story. Whatever that story is that's going on. I, I feel anxious at night, so I snack. And when I snack, I go for the chocolate and I wish I would go for the peanut butter. And then we dig in there and we, and we go back into this four-step process. And in this four-step process, that first step is writing it down. The second step, we read that story out loud, conversational pace, like we're talking right here. Oftentimes people get a bit faster because it has some of those emotions behind it. Third step, check in after the second step, see how it feels, register where it is in your body. and if there is a strong emotion, like six or seven out of 10 or more, a sensation in the body, when was the earliest time you remembered feeling that? Then you go into the third step where you slow it down and you talk like you feel like you have your foot on the gas and the brake at the same time. Because so many people just speed right up and pass through their stories because they don't want to focus on them. So when we slow it down, we, we get to take a look at it from the outside as opposed to living inside of it, spinning around. And oftentimes there's more objective realizations after that third one. And then the fourth step, and this can go either way. Sometimes people have gotten the emotions out of the way. Sometimes they've been blocking them out. Uh, and the fourth step can either be the most objective read or the one that finally opens the waterworks. And we put a breathe cue in between every piece of punctuation, comma, period, sometimes at the ands. And we take a big old breath, volume on the inhale, length on the exhale, every time you get to one of those breath marks. And then you check in again. And oftentimes this surface level story, we lean into the emotion, the physical sensation around it. And it takes us back. We, we can title out, I've gotten clients who've gotten six, seven, eight stories out of that sensation. And before you know it, we're back. I had a female client in the gym here who wanted to work on snacking late at night to keep that same through line from earlier. 
Next thing you know, we're at a story from seventh grade about making the cheerleading team and her mom pressuring her to have a certain body type. I've had clients who they start titling out stories and all of a sudden they're remembering two-year relationships where they lived with someone that they had completely blocked out of their memory. So when we downregulate and we lean into this emotion, we take ourselves out of, we lean into what the emotion is and take ourselves out of actually living in it. We can take an objective look from the outside at our stories and see them for what they are. That's the four-step process. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's powerful. Cause I think so many people just believe their own stories like that because it's kind of like, um, like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like you tell yourself this story, so you have to be that way. And if you're not that way, then you have to make it so you are that way. So you can, so you're basically telling yourself the truth. Cause if you were to go against that, then you've been lying to yourself all these years. Right. And so I think it can be very difficult for people to obviously go through that exercise and to realize that they were the ones holding themselves back the whole time because they just attached themselves to what they believed to be true. Yes, exactly. Have you, do you know about the reticular activating system? I've heard of it, but I'm not going to be able to. What kind of car, what kind of car do you drive? I drive a Chevy Tahoe. Cool. When you bought that Tahoe or when you started looking at Tahoes, did you start noticing all the other Tahoes on the street? Ah, uh-huh, this is that. Yep. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Friedrich Nietzsche said, what you look at is what you see. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, so if you're thinking about, you know, that that's why vision boards, that's the science behind vision boards. If you want to stick to textbook stuff, why they work. And then you could go into quantum physics and manifestation too. Uh, this Let's is not the, go there because that would blow my mind. <laughs> <laughs> we'll save that for another one. I can go a full hour on that. Uh, but that that's why vision boards work because to your point, people have these self-fulfilling prophecies. And if you believe that you're undeserving of the job you're in, the relationship you live or having a good body, you are going to find reasons to support that. On the flip side, if you believe that you are worthy and on the path to having a seven-figure net worth and a healthy body that you're happy with, that can do everything you want it to do, a relationship that is fulfilling, you will find reasons to support that. So that, and, and it, it all comes back to the words and the language we use and the stories that are rattling around inside our head. Yeah. There's so many places that I wanna take this. Um, okay, so, I had, so I, I put out a post on Instagram the other day about gratitude. Mm. And I just said, like, if you're reading this post right now, you have nothing to complain about. And if you think you do, don't. Because complaining, you know, never helps the situation. So, and then today that I put that out, maybe, I don't know, a few days ago. Today, I got a comment on there. I'm sure it was... um like sarcasm, the comment said something along the lines of, oh, wow, like, thank you. This will help cure my grandmother. Like, thank you so much. And then like me reading it and this guy doesn't follow me. So I 
can speculate that he's just kind of poking fun at it. He obviously doesn't agree with it. He's, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. And I replied, like, the mind is extremely powerful. Like, you're welcome. And if, if, or once you truly realize how profound of an impact your thoughts and your beliefs actually have on your physical health, your physical well-being. If you believe something to be true, that's like you mentioned the reticular activating system, your mind will find all these different ways to reaffirm that. So they've done studies. I was reading this in Boundless, Ben Greenfield's book of like cancer patients even who, you know, it, if they believe that they can get better and they're, they have like a higher sense of purpose, they have a much likely, much higher likelihood of surviving. Whereas if somebody has lost all hope and they've just given up, then they die right there. It's a lot of it is in your head, like literally. On that same through line on placebo and nocebo studies, there have been people that have been falsely diagnosed with cancer. Doctor calls them up, says, oh, sorry, I was looking at somebody else's scan. By the time they get back, they have cancer because they started believing that they have cancer. It's, and and people people have their own mainstream media station playing in their head. Yeah, this stuff blows my mind. And I wish that more people would understand this, that, and have you heard of the the phrase like toxic positivity? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you understand that, or can you explain that to me? Because I really don't understand like where they're coming from. I I believe perspective is valuable because to to take an example from one of my buddies, if if somebody has a hundred dollars in the bank and somebody has a thousand dollars in relation, who's rich? To me, yeah. it it doesn't matter. Yeah, well, who's financially set? Right, the, the guy with the, yeah. the more money. And then thousand to a million, who's more set? Million to a billion. There's there's perspective. So when we talk, I mean, we look at like the spiritual side of things, like ego death and all of that. To go back to the toxic positivity, I believe it's good to have an awareness around your emotions and know why because most of those reasons are internal. You know, there are definitely, there are people out there like being yes, man, Jim Carrey, you know, <laughs> like I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm happy. <laughs> right. Uh, that's not how it works. And there's also a lot of people that are really unhappy that think that those of us who have a handle on uh, gratitude and seeing the world in a good light are doing that. The, Oh, I'm happy just to be happy. That's my take, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I guess I was thinking of it like myself. I always try to find the positive out of any seemingly negative situation. Yes. Because I've said this on podcast before. One of my favorite quotes from Shakespeare is that nothing is either good or bad, but thinking makes it so. So even like you go to an extreme example, the Holocaust, right? One of the most horrific, horrific events to ever happen in all of 
humanity, right? But then there was also a ton of good that came from that, right? Like Viktor Frankl wrote Man's Search for Meaning. That changed so many people's lives, like that crazy perspective. Um, so it all depends on, like you said, perspective, how you're looking at something. So if like a negative situation happens, what you perceive to be a negative situation, it's going to do you no good if you continue to perceive that as a negative situation. Going back to the RAS, right? Switching that into a positive and using that as a catalyst for growth as opposed to an obstacle that is holding you back. Yes, 100%. There's a, I think it's from the Tao, an old like Chinese proverb talking about a, a man, a farmer and his neighbor and his horse runs off. Oh, I know this. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I forget the exact details, but it's some along horse runs off and neighbor's like, oh, I'm so sorry for you. That's such bad luck. Is it? Horse comes back with a, a couple of wild horses. Oh, that's so great for you. Is it though? Son's trying to break in the horse. Uh, I, I don't know the term, but tame the horse. Uh, and he gets on one of those Mustangs, falls off, breaks his leg. Oh, that's so horrible. I'm so sorry. Is it though? Military comes to town. They're recruiting all the young men. Son didn't need to go because his leg was broken. Oh, that's so great. Is it though? And it continues like that because you, to your point, this is a beautiful example of we can look at things however we want. And the minute that we start believing our thoughts, like we can shape them any way we want. I think this is one of the most powerful things that I've talked about on this podcast. And because I truly believe that once you, once you truly understand this concept, like your life just gets easier. Like no matter, because once you understand this, no matter what happens, you can change your perspective around it and, and how you view the situation. But I think for a lot of people, that's difficult. Like for that guy who made the comment on my post, like I think for him to adopt this mindset is going to take a lot more just because, you know, he's probably not surrounded by people who are saying this stuff. He's probably surrounded by more victim mentality people. Well, and the victim mentality is as addictive as crack cocaine and arguably at least as destructive to forward progress in life. I would say more so. I would say more so. Every once in a while, you get someone who has struggled with addiction and will put up a, a good card counter argument to that. To your point about uh, circles, I have a, a piece about that. Uh, you know, the old, uh, you're a direct reflection of the five people with whom you spend the most time. Mm-hmm. I used to throw that around and I now believe that it's a bit it as most often use is a big old projection because the five people with whom you spend the most time are a direct reflection of you. They're a direct reflection of your values, your habits, your choices, and your lifestyle. So if you're going to sit there and say, well, I'm a direct reflection of these people. That's why I'm where I'm at. Whether you've succeeded or you haven't, you're taking your own power away. So your circle is a direct reflection of you and the energy that you put out. So how can, if somebody's listening right now and well, I don't think they would have made it this far if they think what we're saying is bullshit, but let's (laughs) say that, let's say they 
they want to adopt this as their default mindset because i think for everybody like it's it's always going to be challenging for you to have this like 100% of the time right like we're human beings like but for somebody who wants to adopt this as like i said the, the more default state what can they do is that like surrounding themselves with more people listening to more podcasts are there any specific exercises like the story the, the stories and creating awareness around the words that are in those stories. So in Lifted, Will, I'm unsure if this has been released at all anywhere, but. This podcast there, won't there, come out for like a month or so. Okay. there There's an app in the works. Okay. And it'll be a voice journaling app. And it will point out language patterns, uh, negations, projections, and soft talk that are all parts of the conflict language, which conflict language was called victim mentality language at first, but that was too harsh of a brand for people to want to address it. Hmm. And soft talk is the maybe, the might, the probably, you know, kind of, you know, like who's the flakiest person you know? And how do they talk? I might probably try to make it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and, and the negations are, I don't want to be late. Okay, now your reticular activating system, you're looking at all the reasons that you might be late, as opposed to, I enjoy being on time. Hmm. And then projections, that's just the stuff that burns bridges. And they made we're, my life so bad. Yeah, we're not going to have enough time for this podcast. This There's so many different things that, <laughs> that I want to go into. Um, Mark them and we'll do another one. So the what'd you call it? Not to, not to the negations, but the one before that soft talk. Yeah. The soft talk. I, this is one of the first things that I have my clients do in my program is understand their language. And anytime like we're on a call and they say, Oh, like I want to do this, or I might, you know, blah, blah, blah. I cut them off immediately. I say, stop. First thing we got to change is this little language switch change. I want to, to I'm going to. So things like that. Talk to us a little bit about why that is so powerful. There's this good old thing for that people at home can run through to experience why it's so powerful. And we call it the should detox. You take one thing that you should be doing. I should go vacuum. I should do this. And for most people that should or that want to, for your example, is like a, a sense of not having it or should is often... In, uh, creates some anxiety or a little <laughs> in the chest. Then we go, could, I could do this. It's like, oh, the door's open. I could, I could probably walk through that. And from could, we go to can. I can go vacuum the house. From can to will, I will go vacuum in the house. Will to am. And it's called the one word game because you go one word, one step at a time. If you go from should to am with a lot of people, they're going to be like, what? Nah, take them one word. And then as a coach, I'm sure you, you add a because statement at the end. So I am vacuuming the house because a clean house makes me feel good. And the value of that is noticed the most when people speak through it. So if you're at home listening to it, try that out. And it's energy. And it's where you feel it in your body. And those, I should do this, or I want that. It's a lack or something that you haven't addressed. 
and it's going to ball you up and trap your breathing and action dispels overwhelm. So I am doing this. That's the first step. You are telling your reticular activating system that you're taking action. And then when you do take action, that one step dispels that overwhelm because so many people are stuck in inaction overwhelm, which I'm making a push to be the new way to say paralysis by over analysis because it's easier. Love that. Yeah. Uh, people probably think that I'm annoying when I, you know, tell them this because in any conversation I have with like a good friend or client or whatever, anytime I hear that language, I immediately stop them and they might not think it's a big deal, but it is a big deal. Like mm -hmm. your words matter and what you say, you believe. So how long have you been saying I should dot, dot, dot? Like how long have you been saying that? Right? Like you've probably known for a while that you should go to the gym, but yet you're still not going to the gym. So if we change the language around it, that's probably much more likely to happen a lot sooner rather than, you know, maybe sometime off in the future. 100%. And that language oftentimes will have somebody who is 280 pounds and wants to be 210, believing that they are a 280 pound person. And when you flip the language, you will start believing before you even get there that you're a 210 pound person. It's this stuff works. And like, like you said, some people listening to this might be like, what? I just say different things and then my life gets better. Yes. It is like Literally. the movie, the, the movie limitless with those little pills, like those pills are real. It's the language you use, the stories you play and the breath you take. Yeah. Now, now let's get into the negations. So I think this is also very powerful. This is very powerful. And this is often around. I don't want to do this. Or I don't want to do that. Or big one for me that. And I thought I had this stuff on lock, you know, and I'll toot my own horn. Mark England has even said that my speed of implementation with this work is just about second to none. So when I was going through my level one call with him, my one-on-one, -on -one, like when you go through your unlifted level one, you dig into your stories too. You go through a one-on-one -on -one call with the coach running the course. So I was doing a one-on-one -on -one call with Mark and I realized, or it was brought to my attention that I was using these negations. I'm not that person anymore. I don't do that anymore. And I had yet to establish my identity of who I was or what I was going to be moving forward. And as long as we're looking at what we don't want to do or where we don't want to be, we're, we're not going to see negation fully acknowledged where we do want to go. Does that, does that wrap them up? Yeah. So <laughs> selfishly i'll i'll ask you something uh, for myself so when i was creating my program i've played around with a lot of different like mission statements you know like i help entrepreneurs do blah 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 and one of the ones that came to my mind was like i help entrepreneurs like prevent burnout and reduce stress things like that so those are kind of like negations, right? So if you kind of focus on that, instead I chose something more positive. Do you think that that has kind of a, a similar effect? 
Yes. And especially in marketing, negations can be like a seasoning. Uh, I tend to attempt to stray away from them, you know, and painting the picture of where somebody is now, you know, having that pain state can be valuable. They need to know that you understand, or they you know, need is a strong word. They appreciate knowing that you know where they are right now and that that's the problem you're fixing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, because I've, because I, I have known about this concept, obviously not as in depth as you, but that came to my mind. I was like, okay, well, instead of trying to, because everybody is either, trying to run away from something or run towards something. And mm-hmm. because I want, well, I was going to say, I want motivated people in my program, but you could be running away from something and be absolutely motivated. So I don't know. I, I think it just depends on who you're talking to. Exactly. Yeah. That's the the line I was going to tug next. It's who do you want to talk to? Mm-hmm. Uh, and people that resonate more with, speaking to the dream state as opposed to speaking to the pain state, I've found, and you've likely seen the same thing, are often more receptive to coaching because they're not as stuck in the I'm burnt out, I'm fatigued. I identify as someone who hates their job but does it Mm -hmm. so they can go on these vacations. And if you're going on a vacation and dreading the life you have to come back to, there's something wrong. (laughs) Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, but yeah, thank you. you. You just identified that. I'm I'm more marketing to the high achievers. And I think the high achievers, for the most part, you know, in general, are striving towards something great as opposed to solely running away from something that they no longer want. Right. Again, in general, right. Some people yeah. are both, but um yeah, so that okay, that's perfect. Um, let's see, trying to think of where we should go next. Um, we did soft talk and negations, right? I, I wrapped a little bit on projections and if you want, we can dive in there for a second to polish it off. Yeah. Polish off the three language types. Yes. Good idea. So projections are, like I said, the easiest way to burn a bridge. And oftentimes when we, when we project onto someone, oh, they're, they're, they're so fake. They're always late. They do this. They do that. They made me feel a certain way. It's all this person's fault. My boss is a bitch, whatever. Oftentimes a projection is us seeing something in somebody else that we're uncomfortable with about ourselves. And we're too chicken shit to address that. So we're just going to say how much we don't like when they do it. And we're hypocrites. And I know I've done it. I still do it from time to time. I have an awareness around it and I catch it 99% of the time now. But we are hypocrites. The stuff that we have yet to address in ourselves will find in other people and tear them down for it. Yeah, that's... That's, and I'm going to say this and just know that I am nowhere near close to, you know, perfect on this. I'm always working on it, but that's why I don't think 
people should, you know, really criticize anyone or judge them because you have literally no idea what they're going through, what they have gone through, if they're working on it, like if they just had a bad day today, you know, you have no idea. So, you know, for you to judge them, that, like you said, it might be more of a reflection on you. Yeah. And if you're spending your time judging other people, then where does your reticular activating system go for the rest of the day? It's going to find for things to find wrong with life. And it just, it it compounds. And then there's other little pieces like binary speak, you know, always, never, everything, nothing. Those things are by and large, if we're like, man, she, my, my dad never paid attention to me, you know? Okay. He, he may have been absentee. Did he never pay attention to you? you know, yeah. Stuff like that. This is something I get in arguments with uh, quite frequently is because people always tell me, oh, Taylor, you're so literal. And it's like, well, because that's what you're saying. And so if you say that, that's what I'm going to think that you mean. Right. And so like, if you say some of those, um, what are those words called? Like the always never. Um, yeah. But that's not, that's not the word that I'm thinking of. Um, anyways, whatever. If you, if you say things like always never anything like that, and it's, that's not actually the case. Like, again, that matters. Like your language, the words that you choose matter. I've noticed a couple of times during this podcast, you said a word and then you're like, oh, that's a too strong of a word. And then they changed it because it matters. Yes. 100%. And that's, that's binary. Your words matter. Yeah. Uh, and then there's, there's ways to add drama to it. Like ever just, you know, an easy one is how can I ever get over this? Or take out the ever. How can I get over this? It goes from defeatist to okay. Let's let's find a let's find a solution. Wow. Yeah. Language game is deep, man. Yeah, this is this is all all powerful stuff. Um, something I want to touch on is I've had a, a few people tell me that they don't like sitting in silence just because they don't like the words or the voices, the thoughts, whatever runs through their head when they're not distracted, when they don't have any other stimulation. A good example of this is when I go to like cryotherapy, for example, they ask if like what song you want played and I'm in there for whatever it is, like two or three minutes. And it's like, I don't want anything. I'm, I'm just going to breathe and practice my breathing. Um, and then they're like kind of shocked by that because everybody picks a song. Not that that's, you know, a bad thing. This is just an example. So if you can't go two or three minutes in just your own head in silence with no external stimulation, that's probably a pretty clear sign that one, you've got some work to do. And two, you need to work on reducing your external forms of stimulation. Yeah. 
both of those. And oftentimes I see with those people, they're the ones going broke, buying nice cars and vacations because they need something to run away from themselves. And then they start associating their achievements with pain and they hate their job because it only brings them stuff to run away from their pain. Hmm. And to your point about silence, silence is a teacher and breath. And I'll go as far as to like, along the same vein, I've said often about uh, plant medicines and psychedelics, same kind of thing. It will show you what you need to see. And that's, that's the, the bad trip thing for some people. Yeah. Oh man. I, I did not have a good time on mushrooms. Well, I, I would invite you to lean into why you didn't have a good time and maybe kind of sort of address that because all that's doing is bringing stuff to the surface that you hadn't addressed before. And that's the same thing with that silence. There's stuff coming to the surface, you know, and, and I posted on my Instagram, I think just this week that if you're constantly having to let off steam, why is the pressure building up in the first place? Hmm. And silence is your inspection mirror to find where that pressure is building up. Yeah. So for me, I'm sure you guys have noticed even a couple of times during this podcast, like there's been some pretty long breaks. And normally when I was first starting my podcast, that would have made me like anxious. I would have been like thinking like, well, what am I going to say? But now I'm okay with the pauses. They might not be great for your listening experience, but for me, like I'm, I'm genuinely thinking and I'm okay with just hearing what he's saying and just thinking. You don't have to always react immediately when somebody is talking. I, in fact, I think that is, that is one of the reasons why we as a nation in, you know, in America, the left and the right can never come to terms on anything. Cause anytime somebody from the left says something or somebody from the right says something, the other person just immediately, like they don't even listen. It just goes in one ear out the other. And the other person says their rebuttal to that. And we're not actually listening or understanding other people. Right. Yeah. hundred uh, percent. When, uh, when Dennis Meralda had me on building men, he's like, dude, I was listening to your alpha hippie show and the pauses, like they were, they almost made me uncomfortable and they made the conversation so much better. And to that point, the difference, as far as I define it between a conversation and an argument is not tone of voice. It's whether or not you've already decided what you were going to say mm. before the other person has finished talking. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I had um, a leadership expert on my podcast. He was a, a combat veteran. He was um, a platoon commander in, I believe it was Iraq. And I asked him a question about, um, oh shoot, what was it? About conversate or about speaking or conversations or something like that he responded with like listening and like you shouldn't speak until you truly understand what that person is trying to get across and like really understand it and i think that could that alone could fix a lot of arguments <laughs> and i i think another thing and I get, I gave the example left and right in politics, but this is also vegan, carnivore, 
masks, no masks, like whatever fucking issue it is, it doesn't matter. The problem is we're not understanding the other side and we're not like listening and being open to changing our own opinion. Because if you're not open to changing your opinion, the other side is certainly not going to be able to be open to changing theirs. One of another one of my favorite quotes that I'm going to butcher is I believe from Epictetus. Don't quote me on this, but it's man cannot learn that which he thinks he already knows something along those lines. So if you have already, if you go into an argument being so firm in your position, like thinking there's no way any, any information could help me change my stance on this. Then one, why are you even in the argument? Cause you're not going to convince the other side. Like, so I just tell people to be open-minded. Like there's some things that I believe that I'm probably not going to change my mind about. But again, if information is presented and it is logical and factual, then okay. You know, hundred percent. I please prove me wrong. Educate yeah, exactly. And to your point about listening, one of, one of my biggest hacks to truly start listening to people because my mind can easily go 18 different places at, at one point um, is the breath. And when mm -hmm. someone's talking, I focus on the longest exhales possible. Stay as down-regulated as I can and hear it all. And it's been a game changer in conversation. Yeah, because <laughs> breath, as I've talked about on a few podcasts, obviously raises your flight or fight response. And if you're in that state, especially in an emotional conversation, like that's just not going to help anybody. Right. Yeah. So if you can just learn to control your breathing and calm yourself down, one, you'll be able to think clearer and more logically, as opposed to being in this flight or fight state where nothing else matters, but, you know, saving your life or, you know, being right in the argument. I think that's another thing people are so worried about is being right. Like nobody wants to admit that they were wrong. I saw a quote recently along the lines of it's not being wrong. That looks bad. It's refusal to admit it. Mm. Um, and the fight or flight, I like to add another one in there, fight, flight, or freeze. Yep. So many people are frozen and they're just in life. Have you read uh, or heard of Robert Sapolsky's book, Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers? I've heard of it. I haven't read it. <laughs> the, the title but I, I love that concept. Yeah, the title, because they save their fight or flight for when a lion is chasing them, not for when they get cut off in traffic or when their cell phone's about to die and they can't scroll Instagram anymore. Yeah. Yeah, same thing. Like if, if you have a dog, like the, the dog is stressed out, like once whatever stressful situation, you know, the mailman comes to the door or whatever, once that's over, you'll hear him do a breath. Like you'll like, and then after that it's over, they're just back to being a normal dog. They're not thinking about, Oh, what if the mailman comes back tomorrow? Like I'm going to get him. Like, you know, that's, that's humans. That's one of our downfalls. We think about these stressful things over and over. And we wonder why we're so stressed out all the time can never let it go. Like it, it happened. It's over. 
why are you still thinking about it? That's one of the biggest things that I see too. It's well, but this horrible thing happened. Cool. It happened. Like, how are you going to choose to go about your day? Like, you know, you, you cut your leg, you, you know, somebody died, what, whatever. And I get, there will be an emotional pain when a family member dies. And, and there will be a grieving process for a healthy individual. And if somebody's sick in the hospital, this or that, we can up our vibrations and be grateful for everything that's around us. Or we can just wallow in our own suck and have our shoulders hunched in and are holding our breath in our chest. And like, do I know when I was swimming underwater is when I had a shot at rescue swimmer school in the Navy. Like, I don't, that hurt, like trying to, hold your breath down there and that's how most people go through life yeah i think it's all about balance you know you mentioned a a family member dying and i have not experienced this um yet you know as when i was a kid there's something but now it's like i haven't really had the adult experience of losing a family member close to me but I believe that it's all about balance. Like it's, you can't stay in the grieving process for the rest of your life. You also shouldn't be, you know, happy and positive right when it happens. Right. Right. It's yes. Have the grieving process, take the time, process your emotions. Don't try to push them away or avoid them, but then understand that you need to come back from that and celebrate all the great times you had, whatever. Um, Same thing with anything in life. It all comes down to balance, stress, balancing, good stress, bad stress, workouts, you know, balancing good food, bad food. Like once you understand how to balance everything properly and not overindulge one way or the other, because you can overindulge in good things too, like exercise, something that seemingly good. How many people are out there treating the gym like an alcoholic treats a bottle of Wow. Yeah, that's good. It's, it's, I mean, I I ran a CrossFit gym. We were, uh, you know, your typical go hard, everybody lays on the floor and then you go home, Mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, we've shifted to a more individualized approach. And I know there's guys out there with group CrossFit gyms that have calmed it down and are doing well. So this isn't a knock on CrossFit. They, they revolutionized the industry and did great things. We decided to take a, a, another step for ourselves. Um, but it, it's so many people, you know, you get recovered alcoholics who are hiding in the gym from the bottle. And how many alcoholics did we see who all of a sudden when they didn't have a gym last year during COVID, they went straight back to a bottle because there wasn't actually any closure around that addiction. I think anytime you're reliant on anything, whether you think it's good or bad, caffeine, cigarettes, alcohol, the gym, a certain food, like you, you have to have coffee in the morning to wake up and get going. Like any, anything you're reliant on, I think is a bad thing and that you need to remove yourself from that thing for a certain period of time to not be reliant on it. 100%. I'm 
right there with you. I, and the coffee example, I I've, there hasn't been a length of time in my life where I've drank coffee regularly for more than eight months. And a couple of years ago, I walk into the local coffee shop and I was in a stint of drinking coffee and there's a long line. I had a busy morning. I could feel myself go, Oh, what the hell? I need my coffee. Mm. And I was like, Nope. Turned around, walked out. And I took like six months off of coffee. Like we're not doing that. Yeah. That's because you have the self-awareness. So many people, they, they have that same experience, but then they think that they, they need the coffee to live a normal life. Like they're just, and that, that might not even come into their head. Like they might not think that they need the coffee. They might just think that that's how they are. Cause that's how they've been living life for the past, however many years. Right. So and. I was going to say, how can we go about cultivating some of that self-awareness? Big question. Big question. Big breath. Because I was getting hungry to make a point there. So I was taking a breath to slow it down uh, about the victim mentality and placing our happiness on external circumstances and cultivating the awareness. Pick one thing, whatever's front of mind for you in life that you want to improve and then work the story and the feeling and go back to the four step process is a Swiss army knife of personal development. And when you go back to what feeling are you running away from using that caffeine or that workout or that alcohol or your Netflix binge? Hmm. Or TikTok. It's a popular one now. Oh, TikTok, man. (laughs) I just grabbed a TikTok handle recently, uh, shredded and spiritual. And and I'm like, oh, do I really want to jump down here though? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, or TikTok. And it's, what are you running away from? What are you getting that dopamine fix to band-aid? And it's a tough question at first. So start surface level and then go deeper. Like wade in if you need to and go all the way out to the Mariana Trench of your soul and get your submersible and go down there and see what's there. Because once you dig it out, you can sit in silence and enjoy it. Because to your point earlier about silence and people running away from it, Dude, I love silence. Give me a good half an hour in silence meditating. I'll come out of that. And then, and then I like, I almost require that I go for a walk after that because I'll be so ramped. And I'm like, I got to go for a walk so I can integrate everything that I just processed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of my favorite jokes, I say it as a joke, but I'm kind of serious about it is, um, Nobody is probably going to know this show, but it's uh, check it out. It's an old show with John C. Riley, super funny. Some people think it's super stupid, but anyways, in the show he plays like a like a I don't know, a idiotic newscaster. And one of the interviews goes wrong, and he says, "I know what we're going to do. We're just going to sit here and be quiet." And then a lot of times when somebody asks me what I want to do, like in my head, I'm like okay, I just want to sit here and be quiet. Like, cause I, I like silence, you know, driving in the car, it's either podcast or nothing. You know, rarely do I listen to music, never the radio Mm. when I'm in the sauna, 
when I'm in cryo, when I'm in the ice bath, just silence, silence, silence. Um, I think it's a, it's a powerful place. And I want to come back to what you said about going over the Mariana trench and looking down. I think that's a very scary visual, a very scary place to be if you've never dug into what is down there. And what came to my mind when you said that is Jocko Willink's phrase, good. Like <laughs> something went wrong, like something's not going your way. It's too hard. Good. Yeah. Have you read or listened to Matthew McConaughey's Green Lights? I have not, but I've heard it's fantastic. I've heard a few podcasts on it. Yeah. And on Audible, he narrates it. So it just adds <laughs> with his voice. Yeah. Uh, and that good is the same, you know, Matthew McConaughey's green light. Uh, and the, the premise is that you may come up to red lights or yellow lights in life and sooner or later they all turn green. So yeah, that Mariana trench, everybody thinks there's monsters down there. Not much. You're stronger than them. You created them. So handle them. It's easy. Like the, the Kraken can be defeated. You just got to do it. Speaking of monsters, I think we view them as monsters because we don't understand them and we've never confronted them. Ooh, are we talking about our internal stories or other people? Both. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think it plays for both. Again, it's just because we don't understand them. Like I used to be afraid of spiders, for example. And then as a kid, I got pet black widows. Like I went out in my backyard, got pet black widows. I don't know if this was necessarily because I was afraid of them. And I, then I knew like I had to, you know, understand them a little bit better. And even still to this day, like that didn't necessarily cure my fear of spiders. Like if there's a spider that crawled up here, like it would still be startling, you know, but, and like sharks is another good example. And I'm, I have, what's called like thalassophobia, like the fear of like not knowing what's in the water. Um, My brother too. Yeah. And, and it's not like, it's not like debilitating. Like I still go in the ocean. I love the ocean. Yeah. But like when I'm scuba diving or snorkeling and you have the goggles on, you can only see like, I don't know, five feet in front of you. Like what keeps playing in my head is okay. Something's going to swim out and it's going to get me. But then you start to study sharks and you listen to people who dive with sharks and they're, they're just curious. Like, they just want to know what you are. Like, they're not out to attack you, you know? Yeah. And so it, I think the fear just comes from not understanding and not ever having interacted with them. That, yeah, fear comes from not understanding. I had a, a meditation download a few years before I even got into the language game that was started off with, Anger is often a, mis a misunderstanding of oneself. And under anger is usually fear or sadness. Yeah, it comes from not understanding. And to your point about thalassophobia? I think so. Yeah. Uh, my brother, same way, like if we're in a big lake or not, and we were on a vacation recently, uh, a tropic vacation, had some psilocybin. Next thing you know, he's out there and he doesn't leave the shoreline. He'll go out... And he's out there standing on the line of buoys uh, off the beach that was the boat line where he can't touch, just sitting out there floating. And 
I mean, what did the psilocybin do for him? It downregulated his breath and took him out of his own emotional story. So if we extrapolate that and create an analogy there, when we can take ourselves out of our stories, we can wade into the deep water. Wow. Literally and figuratively. Yeah, both. Yeah. Wow. Um, another personal example is I, I went skydiving. Like I bought skydiving tickets because I was scared of it. And, you know, in the plane, it was scary. But then as soon as you're out of the plane, like it's just all gone. And then it turned into one of the greatest experiences of my life. And a lot of times what we think as some like terrifying experience that you want to avoid at all costs, usually on the other side of that is what you need most. Mm. Yeah. And I, it, it took me, you know, over an hour to drop this analogy. Uh, so many people are going through life, like walking barefoot on gravel and being okay with it when they could spend 10 yards walking over coals to get to walk on soft grass for the rest of their life or a sandy beach. Uh, and it's, yeah, address your stuff, put your head through the plate glass, you'll make it through and there's a beach on the other side. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. Speaking of over an hour, I don't want this to go on too much longer. So Chase, go ahead and tell people more about the primal man pathway and where they can find more value. Absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity. Uh, Instagram at coach underscore chase underscore Tolleson. Uh, by the time this airs, website will be live chase Tolleson.com. The problem and pathway allows men who have lost themselves in order to win the rat race to reclaim confidence in body and mind. And we start with the beliefs. We, we, Dial in the simplest stuff that will affect the most change in beliefs, daily rhythm, fueling, and movement. And we take our we take our body and our mind back from the rat race that has eaten it. And that that's the premise. Yeah. <laughs> that's it's so important because I like to define success as primarily happiness. There's a little bit more that goes into it, but happiness. And if you're working in the rat race, thinking that you're going to be happy when you retire 65 years later, like, no, like you can, you can be happy now. I heard an acronym recently for job journey, <laughs> journey of the broke. Yep. Or journey of the broken. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, Chase. Well, thank you so much for, for coming on the show. I appreciate you language is extremely important and it's been made very clear that i now need to go back and commit to the uh the uh, what is it called the uh, mark england's program yeah vocabulary yeah vocabulary um or we could yeah vocabulary and there's other options yeah all right well, Chase, yeah, thanks again for coming on the show. And to all of you listening, change your language, change your life, live the captain's lifestyle. All right, this episode is finished, but your optimization journey continues. 
Head over to thecaptainslifestyle.com to learn more about the Captain's Lifestyle program and follow me on Instagram at thecaptainslifestyle where I put out daily information to help you optimize your life immediately. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone who can benefit from it. Also, I would greatly appreciate it if you would subscribe and write me a quick review. It really helps us spread the message of lifestyle optimization to more people. And as you know, optimized humans create a happier, healthier, and sustainable future for us all. Thank you. And don't forget, live the captain's lifestyle.